reading today, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, and the topic is today about following the star. Follow the star. And that's often a, a good Christmas theme, and we're talking on the topic, Children of Lights, and we're going to have this series on gifts and shining lights right throughout. We know that there's a, there's a theory on the internet that London has the best lights during this season. I don't know if you've been down there into Oxford Circus and seen the bright lights, but lights attract us, and you, during New Year's Eve, you can often go out into London and see the New Year's Eve fireworks display and see that as well. I know many of you will be a KT, but often lights are things that attract people. Now thinking about this year, many people, we've had lots of different things that have been happening this year as well. Uh, we've had the, the World Cup and obviously that attracted people to Brazil. We have the New, New Year fireworks display as mentioned already, but then perhaps some of the, the lights and fireworks display, you go back to 2012 Olympics where you saw that big fireworks display and it seemed that the whole of the country were focused on this Olympics, this London Olympics and this event and bright lights. But here in Matthew's Gospel chapter 2, you read about the star, the great big light, the light of Jesus Christ that attracted people. So let's read that uh, right throughout verse 1, right throughout to verse 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Who is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for that it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them until it came and stood over the where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and they fell down and they worshipped him. And when they had opened up their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Let's pray right now. Father, as we come to your word today, we thank you, Father, for these wise men who are passionate. Father, seeking out the star, seeking out the Christ. Well, Father God, we pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, all the stuff that happens during this season would not cloud out the glory of Jesus Christ in our lives. We pray you'll separate all the busyness and all the stuff that's happening in our lives during this season and that the light, that just as that star appeared, Father God, before the wise men, the light of the gospel would start to appear in our lives afresh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to ask you a question as we approach this series. Is Jesus the center of your season? Is Jesus the center of your season? And why do I ask that question? Because here you see some wise men. Well, these wise men, they had to be motivated. They saw something in the sky that motivated them. They were focused on the star. They were looking at the light. They were not focused on the darkness. Now, Jay uh, preached this morning about making sure that we focus on God, that we keep our head up. You know, when Jesus was on the, on the cross, keeping his head up, keeping his eyes on the prize. 
Well, it's keeping your light, keeping your eyes on the light, keeping yourself focused on the light and not on the darkness. And here, these wise men, they saw something in the sky. They saw something amongst the stars. And it says it was a star. They were following the star. Well, number one, I want to propose to you today, they had to leave their country. They had to leave where they were and they had to go and go to the star, go to the light. The Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world, amen? Jesus is the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever comes to me will have the light of life in John chapter 8. So here you've got a picture of the wise men following Jesus and they following him. Why? Because they believe that there's going to be a king who's going to be born. Yes, Christmas is about not just a king, but the king of kings, amen? The king of kings and the Lord of lords. Now these wise men, they left the country. They were focused on the star. They were focused on this light. And for some reason, they were awakened spiritually. I wonder this morning, this afternoon, are you awake spiritually? One of the things that our son has been doing recently, he's, he's learned the word awake. Now it can be incredibly annoying when you want to sleep in. You want to sleep in, you want to get a lion on a Saturday morning, and suddenly at 7 a.m. in the morning, you hear a noise, and the noise is Judah, and he's saying, awake, awake. And I want to say to you today, are you awake today? Are you awake? Because these wise men, they were awake, spiritually speaking. They knew that something was going down. Now, they were the Magi. Now, where were they from? Well, they were from Babylon. There is a, there's a history to say that somehow, maybe some of these wise men were connected with Daniel. We know Daniel was in Babylon. Well, Daniel served God. He was of Jewish descent. So somehow, these wise men were connected and they'd heard that sometime a prophecy, a prophecy about a star was going to come about. You can read that in Numbers chapter 24 and verse 7. A prophecy about the star, a star coming forth from Jacob. And so they, it was a prophecy of Jewish descent and they, it was prophesied that a king would be born. Now, how long did they travel? Well, some over 800 miles they traveled from Babylon. 800 miles from Babylon. Now, today, I don't know how you came into church this afternoon. You maybe got the London transport. But sometimes you can be incredibly annoyed when there's a delay on the train. And yet you're only traveling maybe one mile, half a mile. But these guys, they traveled over 800 miles. Now, they didn't have a Ferrari. They didn't have a train. They, they didn't have modern days of transport. They just were on camels. And they, they were passionate. They traveled all this distance. And the Bible says, what was their reason for traveling? Well, their reason for traveling was that they may worship a king. Because it says there that they came from the east and we've come to, to see he who's born king of the Jews to come and worship him. Hallelujah. To come and worship him. One of the focuses of church is to come and to worship Jesus, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, to be moved in worship. Jesus said, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God unless it be changed in his heart. And he goes on to say afterwards in John 3 and verse 18, he says, He who believes in me is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. But men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. 
Now look at this star for a moment. Why would God reveal Jesus in a star? Well, the simple answer today is because Jesus is the answer. He is the light of the world. Many people are in darkness. London is in darkness and Jesus wants to shine his light upon them. And here in John's Gospel, chapter 3, there is people following the darkness and there's people following the light. I don't know about you, but light makes me happy, amen? Light gives me peace. Light gives me joy. Light gives me a purpose. Why? Because I can see where I'm going. Now, these wise men, they saw where they were going. They were focused. They were not distracted. They came all the way from Babylon. They went through many mountains, many valleys, many places. They had maps. They didn't have GPS or iPhones or anything like that. It's not like they could just put in Google and find out where they were going. They they were passionate and they were focused and they were not easily distracted. And they were not distracted because they wanted to be part of the main event. I don't know about you, but some people can miss what God is doing. Some people can miss what God's doing because they're so focused in their own lives. They're so focused on their own difficulties. Now, during Christmas, you can be focused on many things. I mean, sometimes you can even miss Christmas. You can miss the season. Why? Because you're so focused on all the other external things that even when you're eating the turkey and handing out the gifts, you've just not entered in, into the spirit of the season. Why? Because circumstances and situations have really gripped your own heart and you've missed the purpose of the season. You've missed meeting with God. The wise men, they didn't want to miss meeting with God. They didn't want to miss it. They were passionate. They stayed there focused and they said, listen, we've come to meet him who's king of the Jews. Where is he going to be born? Well, we see they, they went to Herod. Why did they go to Herod? I mean, why did they go to Herod? Well, Herod was the only known king of the day. So if there was somebody going to be a king being born, then the obvious place to go would be the palace. I mean, if you had heard of a king being born, you would go down to Buckingham Palace, knock on the door and ask the queen, Listen, where, where's, the, where's, the, where's the new king to be born? This is how it was here. So they went to Herod. Now, Herod was not connected spiritually. He was in darkness. He wasn't following God. He was an ungodly king, and he was away from God. And you think a, a king of that day, uh, when, when the Roman authorities were ruling, he would be aware of what the Jewish people thought about the Messiah. He would have done his research. He would have had his wise men doing research. But the Bible says that Herod didn't have any clue about where the Messiah was to be born. The wise men came to him. Listen, we've come to see the king. We're focused on the star. We've seen his light in the east. We've traveled all this distance. We don't want to miss the move of God. We don't want to miss the birth of the Messiah. And yet Herod responds and says, I don't have a clue where he's going to be born. In fact, when you, when you find him, come back and tell me. We know that he called all the chief priests and all of Jerusalem together and he started to ask them, where will the Christ be born? Well, you can find the answer there in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. It says, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So they worked out it was going to be Bethlehem. Well, number one, Herod, when he found out there was a king going to be born, he got stressed. He got anxious. He was not prepared. He wasn't awake. And he got concerned about what was going to happen. Why was Herod concerned? Well, he's concerned because a king was going to replace him. 
Now, he didn't even know what kind of king this was going to be, but suddenly he thought about his position. He thought about his title. He thought, my God, what's going to happen to me? Am I, is the Jewish people going to rise up and remove me and dethrone me? What's going to happen here? So he, he had a, a bad heart. He had a wrong heart. He had a wrong motive, and he got concerned about all these things. We know that Christmas can happen like that, isn't it? You can be so concerned about all the external things. You can be so anxious about all the gifts that you're going to buy that you can miss the reason for the season. You can miss the light of the gospel. Now, I asked a question downstairs when we were doing the Share Life course today. How many of them are prepared an event for this season to share the gospel? And very few of them had even thought about it. I want you to think right now for a few moments, people in your life who are like Herod, who are away from God. People who are away from God, because the Bible says those who are in darkness can see a great light. That's the purpose of the gospel. When you switch a light on, I remember when I was a child and I used to go and visit my dad in another town. He used to come and visit us every two weeks and I'd go away with him for three days and he used to, uh, just used to be a really good time. And then at night, I remember uh, my great granddad, he, uh, he was in India many years of his life and he was a sergeant in the army. And uh, I remember going into our, my grandparents' house and there in the doorway was a leopard with, with big pointy teeth. And uh, I know as a man, you're not supposed to get scared, but I was only eight years old. And I looked at this leopard thinking, my God, what is that? And my granddad used to explain, Yo, when I was in India, I killed this leopard and I decided to bring it back. I don't know if that was true or not. And he put it there on, on the side of the door. Well, when the night came, I, I started feeling a little scared. I don't know why. Maybe I was thinking about that leopard. And my dad would come into the door and he would say, son, would you like the light on? And I would say, yeah, yeah, I like the light on. And you know, when the light came on, I just had tremendous peace. I, just, I was not anxious anymore, and then I could sleep. You know, that's what the gospel comes to do. If you're scared, if you're irritated, if you're fearful, when the light is turned on, when Jesus is turned on in your life, all your cares, all your fears, and all your worries start to disappear. It says here that all of Jerusalem were worried. Was Jesus a threat? Was the Messiah a threat? What was going to happen? What things were going to change? Now, we know in the church today, things are changing right now. Things are changing in London. You can't even share the gospel with people without people being offended. And you might, right now might be thinking, I'm not even thinking about sharing my faith with other people because I don't know what's going to happen. And we know that the world is changing. People are scared of change. I remember when Benny Hinn was coming to town one day, and we know he's had many crusades. He was blocked at Heathrow Airport. He wasn't allowed to get in. Why? Because people were concerned about the message he was going to bring. Things are changing in Christianity. Things are changing in the world. And I want to ask you a question. Are you ready for that change? Jerusalem was concerned that a king was going to be born. Was this Messiah? Those people on the right thing, it's the Messiah. Maybe, maybe Jew, Jew, Jewish people are going to have a revival and we're going to rule again. And then there's people on the left from Roman descent. My thing, oh my God, is this the fall of the Roman Empire? And they were concerned. I wonder if you're concerned today. Jerusalem was filled with darkness, but the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. He was ready to bring hope. He was ready to bring the gospel into people's lives. Hallelujah. These people, the wise men, they were focused on the star. They were focused on Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So Herod here, he's worried. He's worried. He's concerned about things in his life. 
And then Jesus says here, let's turn over to Matthew's gospel. Jesus being the light of the world. It says here that also as the church, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. We're going to read two scriptures here. Matthew chapter 5 and also uh, later on in Matthew's gospel chapter 4. Let's turn to Matthew's gospel chapter 5 right now and verse 14. Jesus is the light of the world and he says, you are the light of the world. This is what Jesus says in verse 14. You are the light of the world like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on its stand and let it shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Father who is in heaven. During this season, I want you to stay focused on the light of the gospel, on the light of the gospel. I remember praying with one of my friends the other day, and we were just praying for one of his friends to be saved. And we heard all the testimonies this morning about people who are suffering from heroin addiction and people being set free. There's people in your family you want to be set free. I remember sitting down with one of my friends, and he, he was saying to me, one of my friends, I've known him all my life for about 20-something years, and he's been in prison for quite a while. And it was one of those beginning prayers where you think, oh my God, can this guy even become a Christian? Is, this, is it even possible, this guy, to be saved? And it turns out that this guy was selling drugs, and that was one of the reasons why he was in prison in the first place. And so I agree with my friend and said, listen, let's just pray. Let's just believe God, that God can invade his life. God's light can shine into his life. Well, Needless to say, when we began praying, this guy started asking questions about Jesus when he was in prison. So my friend started to see him, and my friend came back three months later and said, Listen, Christian got some great news that this guy has given his life to the Lord. He's given his life to the Lord in prison. And, you know, it's difficult to be consolidated. So this guy gave his life, but backslid and was going through a tough time. I eventually came out of prison, and my friend came to me again and said, Listen, let's pray for him. Let's pray for him again, that he comes back to God, that he comes back to the light. And so we started to pray for him again. And then one day we, we were praying and my friend said, listen, this week I want to believe God. I'm meeting with him. He's come out of prison. I'm going to meet with him and I want to, I want to somehow share the gospel with him. And so I said, let's, let's believe God. Now we've, we've had three or four months of prayer and intercession. This guy's starting to turn from darkness to light and he's st- something started to happen, but he's not quite there yet. Anyway, we prayed, and that week, my friend met the guy. He witnessed him. He told his testimony, and right there on the spot, the guy told him, he says, listen, pray with me. Pray with me right now. I know if you pray, I know that I'm going to be saved. I know I'm going to become a Christian. So right there on the spot, my friend prayed with them, and he gave his life to the Lord. Now, that, that's not just the end of the story. <laughs> Two weeks later, he came to the church, and he was invited to the church, and we know everybody who gives their life to Christ is encouraged to make a declaration of faith. How many people have made a declaration of faith here in the church or in a church? You know, it's good, it's powerful declaration. You know, people get baptized here in the tank and they make a declaration of faith. It's kind of like a seal of your commitment. It's, it's, it's concrete in your commitment to Christ. And, and that's what happened. He came to the Friday night service for the first time. It was first time in KT. And when I preached, he came up to me at the end of the service. Now, this guy's a hard guy, a really hard guy. You, you, I don't want to condemn the guy, but you have to use the word criminal. 
Uh, and when you use the word criminal, often you can be fearful and scared because this guy used to be a criminal. He's just given his life to Christ, but I don't know if he's truly saved yet. And he comes up to me at the end and says, Pastor, everything that you said in your sermon, it spoke directly to me. And, I, and I've given my life to the Lord and I just feel completely new. And he came up to me like that. I didn't know what he was going to do if he was going to hit me. I just stood back and he gave me a big hug. He was so happy. You know, people getting saved. For me, that's what Christmas is all about. Stepping out in faith and letting your light shine before men. Now, going back six months before that, I was encouraging my friend. He hadn't witnessed to anybody. He was struggling in his life. But just by us praying on a weekly basis and me encouraging him and me trying to pinpoint, is there anybody in your life or in your family that you want to be saved? And he thought of this guy who was in prison. And six months later, this guy comes into KT and gives his life to the Lord. The story's not finished yet. Two or three weeks later, we had another Friday night ministry service. And this guy, the same guy, he comes into the church and he sits over there. And we don't we didn't know he was he had a a problem in his ear. His ear was completely blocked. And he hasn't heard from in that ear for about two years. And I asked one of the guys to be praying. And as one of the guys came up, he said, I've got a word of knowledge. And and it's a word of knowledge. And I feel like there's someone here tonight. Now, there wasn't even as many people here, probably just the people in the middle. And he said, you know what? I feel like someone's got a blocked ear. Someone's got a blocked eardrum. I don't don't know if that's a word. And you just throw it out there. And then the guy who got saved, he comes forward and says, that's me. That's me. I've had a blocked ear for two years. uh, And I can't hear out this ear. So my friend, he prays for him right there on the spot, right there on the spot. And guess what happens? His ear just pops open. He just pops open. He says, man, man, I can hear. I can hear. And his ear just pops open for the first time. So not just that Jesus saved him and forgave him, gave him a second chance, but also he, he, he heard for the first time out of his right ear. But that's, that's not the end of the story either because he was looking for a job. Now, I don't know if anybody has an experience. If you've any, done anything wrong, uh, people can label you and say, well, you're a wrongdoer, or you're a thief, or you're a this, you're a that, because you've done something wrong. Well, thank God that Jesus forgives us of our sins. Hallelujah. He turns our lives around. But this guy was saying to me, he couldn't get a job. He couldn't get a job. Why? Because every time he applied for a job, they look at his criminal record, they look at what he was doing for the last couple of years, and then it came to the conclusion that they couldn't give him a job because he's got this criminal record. And he said to me, he said to me, how am I going to get a job? And he, I remember going around my friend's house, and, he, and it was that he came to me, and he said, you know, Christian, I'm frustrated. If God can save me, then why can't he give me a job? Why can't he give me a job? And he, you know, he, was, he was getting really moody and, and I was trying to calm him down. I was trying to encourage him and said, listen, if, if God saved you and God healed you, then God can give you a job. Amen? God can open a door. Now, I don't know how it's going to happen, but God can give you a job. And so we prayed for him and we asked God. We said, God, I pray that you would open a door to get this guy a job. Well, then two weeks later after that prayer, we, hadn't, we didn't see him. We didn't see him. And, and six weeks went by and we hadn't seen him. We finally saw him in church, and, and I was coming just to the service, and he, he ran past me, and he tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, hey, how are, how are you? I said, how are you? I said, I'm great. How are you? Oh, he says, I'm great. He says, I can't stay for long because I need to get to church. But he says, I want to tell you that God got me a job. And I, be, and I haven't been around because I've been working, and God's got me a job, and I've been traveling to different places as an IT person, and God's, God's been good to me. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus praise for that right now. Hallelujah. Now, how did that happen? Why? Because 
my friend, he, I got him to focus on the gospel. I got him to focus on a friend. I got him to focus on a person in his life who didn't know Christ. I got him to focus on the star. I got him to focus on the light. Jesus said, number one, I am the light of the world. Number two, he said, you are the light of the world. How are people going to come to Christ except through you and me? This season, amen? And this season is a divine opportunity for you and I to start to share uh, the gospel, to start to share with our family and our friends. Now, don't be condemned tonight if you've not invited anybody to tonight with uh, Jay Allen and, and the team tonight. You know, But you know, next week at the concert, next week at the candlelight service, the following week at the Christmas Eve service, the New Year's Eve celebrations, why not start to identify somebody in your life who's not a believer, someone who's far away from God? Well, can they be saved? Well, I can say, yes, they can be saved. If God's working on them and you agree in prayer, grab somebody from your cell group and say, hey, agree with me in prayer. Agree with me in prayer for this family member to be saved and focus on people. Now, many people don't focus on people. Why? Because their light is not shining. Their life is not in order. We said, Jesus is the light of the world. That's why the wise men were focused on the light. Number two, we are the light of the world. And number three, our light needs to be effective. Our light needs to be effective. How can you make your light effective today? Well, you need to be in the place of prayer. Amen. You need to be awakened in prayer. You need to be simply awake in prayer. I want you to turn over to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. Now, what we learn from these wise men is that they were incredibly focused. They were incredibly focused, and the devil wants to distract you from focusing on the right things. And in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6 and verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, number one, the wise men, their heart was in the kingdom of God. Number two, Herod's, his heart was in position and his his heart was in wealth. And I want to ask you a question this afternoon. Where is your heart? What is Jesus saying here in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6? He's basically saying, where is your focus? Where is your focus during this season? Is your focus on gifts? Is your focus on the family food? Is your focus on other things? Or is your focus on the kingdom of God? He goes on to say, why? In Matthew 6 and verse 22, he says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He's given an analogy here of light and darkness. And he's basically saying, if your eye is good, what does he mean? If your eye is focused on the right things. If your eye is focused on the kingdom of heaven. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, set your mind and keep it set on higher things. Not on the things of the world, but on the things that are above. He's saying that if you want your your life to be full of light and full of the gospel, well, keep your eyes focused on Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that focus on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. 
And why is he saying this? Why does he say the lamp of the body is the eye? Well, he's already given an example of materialism. It's amazing how materialism and going shopping and buying goods can distract you from the kingdom of God. He says here, if you want your body to be full of light, then make sure you're focused on the right things. I don't know about you, but I had this discussion with Gabriel last week. Christmas trees irritate me. I don't, know, I don't know about you, you know, I have no theology about Christmas trees, whether it's right or wrong. I know that Torian loves to put a Christmas tree. In fact, our, the Christmas tree is already up in our house. Why? Because Torian likes to put it there. Hallelujah. Now, for me, whether you're whether you on one side or the other side, why, why does it irritate me? It irritates me because it's somehow connected to paganism. And so there's a history behind that. And we've just took it on as a church. And I don't think if you have a Christmas tree, I don't want to condemn you today. But what I would rather have is not a Christmas tree, but I'd rather have a cross. Amen. A cross that is filled with light. And around that cross, I'd rather have gifts around the cross. And why would I say that today? Now, whether it's a tree or whatever, you know, whether it's a star on top or whatever. But for me, rather than the Christmas tree being the center of Christmas, I want Jesus to be the center of Christmas. And and my vision, whether I ever get around to designing this cross and putting gifts around the cross and whether Torian allows me to remove that tree and put a cross in my house instead of the tree or not, you know, is irrelevant. But what I'm saying today is that during this season, I want to be focused on the right thing. I want to be focused on Jesus being the reason for the season. Not the presents, not the gifts, not the people, not the food, not the money, not the this, not the that, but making sure that I'm focused on Jesus. Now, these wise men, they were focused on Jesus. Why? Because they brought their gifts. They brought their gifts to Christ. They saw the star and the Bible says the star just fell right over about where the child was, where Jesus was. And they they arrived at that place. They were brought there by the light uh, and they offered Jesus gold, frankincense and myrrh. Well, if you follow the Christmas story, you'll know that gold signifying Jesus being the king. Frankincense signifying that his priesthood and his role as, as a priest. And then myrrh signifying his burial, anointing him for burial. All one of these gifts were expensive gifts. And they, they had thought about these gifts and they thought, man, if there's going to be a king being born, what kind of gift shall I give a king? Now, I don't know about you, but when you're thinking about giving people gifts this season, you know, I would want to advise you, quality is better than quantity. Amen. Quality is better than quantity. Quality is better than quantity. You know, sometimes when you're not prepared, you don't get someone a quality gift. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been shopping on Christmas Eve before. Late into the night, 11 o'clock, when the shopping center was good, just the last shop was about to close. And I went in there at 9 o'clock because I'd not bought anyone any gifts. But needless to say, I came out buying everybody a gift. And all the gifts that I bought them was chocolates. And needless to say, as people opened their chocolates, they were happy for a while. But you know, after you've had your chocolate fix, suddenly you calm down and think, what was the point in that gift? It was not a gift that was expensive. It was not a gift that was worthy to be given somebody. It was just a quick fix gift. I'd not entered in into the spirit of Christmas, into the right heart of Christmas. You know, some of these experiences, they, they change your life because a couple of Christmases later, I remember thinking to myself, right, this year I can't be buying chocolates. 
I need to be getting some real good gifts and making up for those rubbish gifts that I got the year before. I remember thinking and planning it and, uh, and getting my brother uh, when at, at Foot Locker. There used to be a big Foot Locker shop in Oxford Circus. I went down there. I got him a pair of Nike Air, Air trainers, 120 pounds, and I gave him to him. And he, uh, he remembers it to this day. Now, thank God he's not expecting those gifts every year. But that was, that was something I planned it. Uh, and it's good when somebody plans a gift. Why? Because when they give it to you, it actually means something. It, may, it makes a difference. And these wise men, they were so focused on the star and they were so focused on the king. When they offered up their gifts, it was a gift that was fully prepared. A gift that was fit for the king. Now, when you're preparing your gifts to your family members during the season, make sure that quality is better than quantity. Amen. Quality. Now, I say every year, I say the same thing. Why? Because I believe that aftershave and perfume is a quality gift. Not perfume, but aftershave for me. Amen. And I say to Torian every year, what do you want? I say, listen, just tell everybody, get me aftershave. And why do I say that? Because I don't want somebody giving me chocolates. I don't want somebody giving me a five pound voucher. I don't want someone giving me this. And we've all received those gifts. But if someone just gets together and gives me aftershave, I'll be happy. Hallelujah. Why? Because I know that a quality, the quality of the gift makes a huge difference. And maybe you want to take on board what I'm saying today as a man and say, hey, hey just get me aftershave during this season. Another one would be footballs. If you just give me footballs, if everybody's got me a football, if I had five footballs, I'd be happy. It's just the simple things that make you happy. Hallelujah. Now these wise men, as we finish today, they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod after they'd met the king. They were warned in a dream not to go back by an angel and they returned another way. I want to say in closing today, why did they go another way? Why were they even warned? How were they warned? Why? Because they were connected with God. They were awake during the season and the time. It's amazing how Herod just about missed the birth of Christ. The people of Jerusalem had also missed the birth of Christ. But the people who didn't miss the birth of Christ were these wise men because they were tuned in to the visitation of the Lord in the time and the season where Jesus was about to be revealed to the people of Jerusalem. They're awake spiritually, and because they're awake spiritually, they heeded the warning of the angel, and they went out another way, and the Bible doesn't mention them again. And they didn't miss the coming of the Lord. I want to ask you a question today. Are you connected with God? Are you connected spiritually today? Do you know Christ today in your own heart? I want to ask the worship team to come back right now, and we're going to pray in a few moments. But are you awake are you awake to the things of God? Why? Because these wise men, they were connected. Hallelujah. They were focused on the star. They were focused on the light. They were awake spiritually. <laughs> they read the signs in the sky. They moved from their house and they ended up meeting Jesus as a baby born in Bethlehem. And they didn't miss the move of God. Let's pray right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. Every Christian praying right now. Thank you, Jesus. I just sense the presence of God here right now. I just want you to lift your hands in this place today. And say to God, Lord, I don't want to miss you, Father God. I don't want to miss the move of your Spirit. In the last six weeks, we've been launching a new Holy Spirit service. And you know, the Holy Spirit will light up your life. He will get you connected. He'll get you realigned with the things of God. And in the next two or three weeks, when we come together to Remember, Christ was born in Bethlehem. 
I want you just to lift your hands and say, God, I don't want to miss you during this season, Lord. I don't want to miss your presence, Father. I want to, I want to be revived. I want you, Father God, during this season of my life. I want to be like the wise men who sacrificed it all. They were fully committed and they didn't miss the birth of the Messiah. They didn't miss you, Lord God. Lord, I pray today for every single person here today that we would not miss what you're doing, Father God. This year has been a year of breakthrough and we thank you for the great things you've been doing and thank you for that guy, Paul, who gave his life to you, Father, and the many others, Father God, that we've seen get saved, Father, this whole year, Father God. We thank you for what you've been doing, Lord. But Lord, we don't want to miss you, Father God. And certainly, Father God, for the people who come tonight who don't know you, we're praying in Jesus' name. Now would be the day of salvation. You might be in this place today and you don't know Jesus. You don't know the light. You're in darkness until now. And Jesus is here to light up your life, to shine his light on you and give you peace and give you hope and give you joy. If you're in this place today and you don't know Christ, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. It's going to be a prayer of asking Jesus into your life. It's going to be a prayer of saying, God, I admit I'm a sinner. I need you. Forgive me. I receive your grace. If you're in this place today and you need to pray that prayer and you need Christ in your life, you need to die tonight and you know you wouldn't go to heaven because you don't have peace with God. You don't have the light in you. You haven't been born again. You don't have Jesus, the light of the world, living on the inside. You pray this prayer right now. And after we pray this prayer, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand because I want to pray with you. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you right now. And I admit that I'm a sinner and I need your grace. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I've been living in darkness till now. And today I want to receive your light into my life. I believe you died and you rose again on the third day. And today I ask you to make me born again, to make me new. I choose this day to follow you, to make you the Lord of my life from this moment onwards. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me and accepting me into your kingdom. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer and you need his forgiveness, I want you to lift your hand right now because I'd like to pray with you in this place today. Just lift your hand high right now. And when you lift your hand high, you're not just lifting it to me, you're lifting it to heaven. You're saying, you know, Christian, I want Jesus to forgive me. Just lift your hand high right now in this place today. Thank you there in the transept you know when you lift your hand you lift it to heaven and heaven sees the hand he says there's there's a man there's a woman who's serious with me just lift your hand high if you're in this place today and you need to recommit your life because maybe you've got in areas of darkness areas of addiction areas of struggle and you say I want to recommit my life you lift your hand high right now because I'd like to pray with you lift it high thank you Jesus thank you Jesus the Holy Spirit is moving in this place today just in the middle thank you lift it high Yes, Lord. If you lifted your hand, just stand on your feet right now because I'd like to pray with you. Those who lifted your hand, just stand up right now. Let's give them a hand as they stand. Thank you. Just stand up right now. Thank you. Amen. Let's just pray together. Now, those who are standing, we want to spend a few moments with you at the end of the service, just praying with you and encouraging you to move forward with God. Let's pray for them right now. If you're close to them, just put your hands forward towards them. Father, every soul is precious to you. Thank you for these two lives, Father God, who are standing right now and are saying, Jesus, forgive me. Lord, I pray right now that you would shine your light upon them. Set them free from sin. Give them a hope, Father God. Give them a future. Awaken them spiritually like you awakened the wise men. 
Oh, Father God, I pray today in Jesus' name that you'll come into their life and make their lives new and complete. Deliver them from the power of darkness and release the light of the gospel upon them right now in every area of their life. Father, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the thanks. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give Jesus praise here today. Amen.